Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Happy New Year to all, and welcome to Sharing Socks, either the last of 2020 or first of 2021, depending on just when you happen to be checking in. I am Southside Sox uh, duty geezer Lee Allen, as usual, and as usual with Sun and West Coast correspondent Will well, it's probably not surrounded by snow, as I am uh, in Chicago. Fortunately, uh, we've been avoiding the snow in Los Angeles. I do have my background up that says Happy New Year 2020 from the White Sox. Uh, <laughs> just in case, maybe we'll get a whole do-over at this thing uh, starting tomorrow. Because <laughs> we didn't really nail 2020, so we need to give it another shot. As far as 2020, let's quickly go. 2020 White Sox. What are your big moments or bad moments? Uh, you know, I, I will say outside of, you know, some of the signings later in the year and hirings and whatnot, it was a great year to be a White Sox fan. It, it was the first year in a long time that it was a great year to be a White Sox fan. As you know, you and I show up to the park every year, no matter how good or bad they are, mostly been bad since I've lived there. Uh, if we can and, pick a day where it'll be below freezing, preferably. Oh, we went a lot of times where we did not pick a day <laughs> where it was uh, above freezing. So, um, you know, all, when, when it comes down to 2020 for me, it's all about Luis Robert. You know, just the most exciting thing to come along for the White Sox since Burley's perfect game and Dwayne Wise making that crazy catch. It was just exciting to see... A, a great young player playing for the White Sox who we aren't immediately going to get rid of and we're going to get to watch for a few more years. So looking back on 2020 for me is it's all about Luis. It's all about getting to finally see that and not being disappointed by what we saw. Of course, he had a little slump there for a while, but he's a rookie. That's expected. He is just going to be so fun for us for years to come. And I'm very, very grateful that we got enough baseball in 2020 to be able to see his skills. I think my single moment highlight is that incredible diving 
racing diving catch uh, uh, that he made. Yeah. Which fortunately, that was a game I covered, so I got to see it many times and run it many times yeah. on the write-up. Uh, that was the moment. I, I think season-wise, certainly the development, and, and particularly because after the slump, he came back and hit well in the playoffs, which showed yeah. it was a slump. Not not that the league has figured out that he can't hit high inside fastballs or whatever it might have been. Um, season-wise, has to be Jose, and, and being really happy for Jose having that kind of year, not only getting the MVP, but just playing the field. That was the amazing thing, his defense. And I think, and I think Tim Anderson not regressing. Almost all the predictions were he's going to regress. He had a two, his balls in play batting average was too high. It's going to go, and he barely regressed at all. He still would have been, if it had been for LeMahieu, he would have had another batting championship. Yeah, it was, it was really great. I, I was not really expecting him to regress because you can just tell how seriously he takes his job. And you know, he wants to be a great player and you can see that in everything he does. And it was really, really great to see him out there hitting again, bringing that energy. And of course, Jose could not be more happy for Jose to have one gotten to play on a team that is worthy of Jose Abreu (laughs) uh, and two to rise to the occasion and, and really make it happen. So even though 2020 is a year to forget as a White Sox fan, I think we'll fondly remember it as sort of the springboard for these next couple of years. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it was a great team this year. I think the record was inflated a lot by the fact they only played in the two central divisions, which are both absolutely horrible. Yeah, of course. Uh, and could really pound on uh, the Tigers and Royals and, and Pirates and such. But it did show that the future looks really nice. And it was also uh, nice to see Giolito come back out and show that that wasn't a fluke. Yep. You know, Absolutely. not as many people believed that that was going to be a fluke as they did with, with Tim. But it was really, I, I definitely had my concerns that maybe it wasn't going to be quite as good as we hoped. And he really came out firing. You know, he had some down games, of course. Every great pitcher does. Uh, but he did show the next step of of being a real ace and a potential future Cy Young winner. Now, off the field, I thought the highlight of the postseason, as it were, was the day after when they fired Don Cooper. I think I would have loved to have seen Ricky Renteria get a year with a real pitching coach and not with a guy who is so tied in to management, as, as Ozzy called him, Kenny's bitch, um, and so out of it for so many years now. I, I would have liked to have seen what Renteria could have done, where he doesn't have a guy he has to fear is going directly to Jerry with everything that happens. Um, so I think that was a highlight that he's gone, and getting Ethan Katz to, to replace him was really good. The low light, of course, <laughs> we all know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so, you know, but Tony Lewis is there. We are stuck with him for, I guess, as long as he wants to be there because Jerry's not going to do anything. So, uh, you know, it's that, that, of course, is, so, is sort of the low point. But it's one of those situations where we're in it. It's going to happen. He is our coach now. And we just have to hope that these players still uh, get to do their thing. And I think they will. I think even with a guy like Tony Larusa, he can come in and be as much of a curmudgeon and piece of crap as he wants. I don't see a world where Tim Anderson cares, listens, 
does anything differently. Um, so I'm, I'm not as worried about it at this point, especially, you know, since he'll probably get arrested for something else during the season and then we'll have a new manager and it'll be exciting. Um, but yeah, so Gil Cairo, right. Um, so yeah, that, that was definitely sort of the, the biggest bummer of a, a moment for us that and kind of signing Adam Eaton was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, but yeah, that, for me, that's, that's a minor compared to the LaRusses. My, my, and, and we're going to predict next year, but, and I'm getting ahead of myself on this. My, my one prediction though on, on LaRusse is that he and Tim will go and do a combat. We may not be public. We may never see it. They'll have head to head on something. And the key players will all, all have Tim's back. And absolutely from that point on, LaRusse is the guy who makes out the lineup card. Uh, he can never back down that the level of arrogance in that man. It, it's not going to solve anything. So that's, that's one more predict. but I have many more predictions of a, of a, uh, well, let me, uh, let me talk about my off field 2020 moments. Um, my favorite off field 2020 moment has to be, uh, Tim Anderson dropping a new clothing line. (laughs) It's really cool. I wish I had some of the gear. Tim, if you're listening to this, which I know you're not, uh, but if you somehow accidentally listen to this, send me some of that cool gear. I'll rep it in LA and, you know, I'll feel good about it. Uh, The thing I dislike the most outside of La Russa off the field uh, has got to be watching the Padres get, two guys that we potentially could have gotten for far less than I expected them to go for. And I'm happy for the Padres. I think it's going to be a really exciting time to be a Southern California resident (laughs) who loves baseball. I mean, those are going to, it's going to be a really exciting year in, in LA and San Diego, but it was really rough watching Snell and Darvish both go to San Diego for returns that we definitely could have done. And, um, you know, we could have given up way less than the packages we were predicting for Snell. And it is a real bummer to miss out on those two guys who have just been absolutely incredible the last two years. And, yeah, it's, that that's a heartbreaker. You know, as, as upset as we Sox fans are over La Russa, Fans of that other team in Chicago have to be livid because Darvish was a salary dump. You've got a team worth three million something, one of the most valuable sports properties in the world. Three billion. Bi- billion, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Over three billion. Uh, it That brings in money hand over fist. We've given them half of Lakeview up here as their personal property. Um and they go on a sal- and and the owners are billion 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 billionaires, and they go on a salary dump, and they're in a division where nobody's trying to win. Yeah, it it makes <laughs> I, Milwaukee maybe it, this rebuild that the Cubs have just committed to. Milwaukee's not even a contender right now. This this rebuild is just embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the Cubs. It's embarrassing for baseball to have a team that can afford anything on the planet in a league that does not have a cap and they go out and they're dumping salary. They're getting rid of their best pitcher. 
to get rid of money? It, it makes absolutely no sense. The Cubs have just committed to not being com- competitive again f- till 2025, 2026, up to 2030. Like this is an absolutely <laughs> pathetic rebuild moment. You're, you're four years off a of World Series. You have infinite money. You have Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Hayward. This is a core of guys that if anyone else had them, they would think, let's buy, let's win again. And here are the Cubs dumping money because the Ricketts are the most pathetic, crappy group of owners on the planet. You think Reinsdorf sucks? Try yeah. being a Cubs fan and have those terrible, terrible garbage human beings running your team. This yes. is just absolutely shameful. As if I didn't have any more reasons to dislike the Ricketts, I do now. And you're talking to a guy who wants the Cubs to lose. <laughs> and I, I love watching the Cubs lose. But it is bad for baseball, for the team that's worth that much money, that has unlimited funds. And don't they own TD Ameritrade or something like that? Yes. Yeah. So they have unlimited money, uh, especially these days. The stock market is is up over 30,000 in the Dow. And it is absolutely shameful. It was, I think, the worst thing to happen to baseball in the offseason. The NL Central next year might as well not play, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and, and, unless Christian Yelich can turn it around, which he will probably but they don't brewers don't have any pitching brewers don't have much of anything cubs are well, trash kane back. yeah but still kane is you know 45 years old or something like he's a great player he's a great guy to have on the field but lorenzo kane is not the future you know he is he is sure. a veteran he's a great veteran player and a great guy to have on your team and in the clubhouse and you know I would love to have him out on the field for the White Sox or something like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's irrelevant that having Kane back is not going to bring the Brewers back around Cardinals. eh, The Pirates might lose 170 games in a 162 game season. And uh, who else is even in that division? Who's the last (laughs) thing? No, the Reds, right. The Reds, May end up being one of the better teams, but they're getting rid of Bauer most likely. They might be getting rid of Castillo. Uh, It's like the whole NL Central just said, we don't want to be Major League Baseball teams next year. The Cubs could have easily won that division if they had invested. to, To the benefit of the White Sox, as far as their record goes, for some reason, for the second year in a row, they're going to be playing the National League Central as their interleague games. It's just a gimme. It's great. It's great <laughs> for us. But yeah. let's can we take the break and then come back and do our predictions for yeah. Uh, let's do that. So let's take a now that I'm angry and talking about the the rickets. Let's take a, a quick break so I can cool down and start thinking about uh, the White Sox future. So uh, we'll be right back. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Alright, I've, I've, I've had my calming chamomile tea... I've relaxed. Uh, so let's talk about the future. 
let's let's start with baseball in general before we get to the Sox. First thing is length of season. What's your prediction? My prediction is going to be around the 130 game mark. Exactly the number I had in mind. I think they're going to start around the end of April, 1st of May. There'll be a delay. They'll have time to get uh, shots for everybody, get everybody vaccinated and in, and and have a healthier year once they start and not have to go through all the, the garbage stuff that occurred uh, inevitably uh, during the 2020 season. Yeah, so I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to guess at around 130 fans. What's your guess on fans? Fans, I think we will see potentially after the 4th of July. I think we will see them sooner, but I think it will be like just about everything else is going to be like airplanes and ships and and probably movie theaters. You're going to have to show that you've been vaccinated. All right. And I think you're right. But here's the problem with that. We are vaccinating about a million people a week. There are 370 million people in the United States, something like that. So you're talking about all the people getting vaccines. It will take 10 years. So so unless we start rolling these out a lot higher, there is no way that people are all going to be vaccinated. Well, I think think they're going to be rolled out a lot lot faster and that uh, most people will be able to get the two-shot system by, by June. At least the people who are most vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the cutoff that they said is 75 plus. I'm 74. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you just missed. I'm vulnerable. Um, yeah. I'm, but I, I, I think there'll be fans back in. But I, I think now in the states like Texas and Florida that have total idiots in charge, so they may fill up the stands on, on opening day with no restrictions. I think there'll be some restrictions on how many and whatnot. And eventually it'll be, you have to have your shot and it's going to be on your phone. Yeah. Uh, they'll figure out an easy way to show and, and they can see that you've had it and uh, concession people are going to have to have their shot, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I, th- I think yeah. it's going to work that there will be fans, but I, I think that's going to be the rule. At least initially it's going to have to be until I'm such gonna, a I'm going to hold strong on 4th of July. I think they'll start playing in May, but I don't think we'll see people in there until July. Rules. Now, we had all the rules that came in in, in, in 2020 that were supposed to be especially for the uh, weird year, uh, but owners seem to be inclined to keep them going. National League designated hitter. Prediction. Keep it. I think they're going to keep it, too. I, I think especially during, you know, going into another season where things are a little unpredictable and what's going to happen I think they're going to keep that, and I think they should keep it. I, I used to be a huge advocate for the pitchers batting. Me too. I, I used to like watching the pitchers bat. It was always exciting when one out of a thousand at-bats, someone hit a home run, and it was crazy. But after this past season, uh, I'll just say it was it was nice seeing nine guys come up to the plate who could potentially change the game. Um, I, I've never been a DH fan. I've actually always liked the National League style of baseball a little more than the American League. Me too. Uh, however, I do think it is one that we should keep. You know, there's just no reason to make these these pitchers go up there and strike out, you know, three, four times a game. And uh, I also think that keeping that DH there is going to help keep pitchers in the game longer, which – we really need because this whole starting pitchers throwing four or five innings thing is, is annoying to me. 
And uh, I think having the DH will keep people in a, a little bit longer as well. Uh, another role. It, it won't, if, if things go more normally once the season starts, it won't apply often. But the seven-inning doubleheader. Stupid. I don't like that rule. I don't think we should ever be playing seven inning games in major league baseball. I understand why they did it this past year because they had to do a lot of makeup games and your, your options are limited on how to make those up, but I do not like it. I do not like seven innings of major league baseball. I think it's very strange. It feels like high school to me and uh, it, it alters your stat lines in bizarre ways. I just, I, I don't like it. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I, I'm not as dramatically opposed to it. I have a feeling they'll keep it, but it really won't pertain very often. Um, no, there are just, very few doubleheaders they're, anyway. They're almost never doubleheaders anymore. And if they do them, they do them day and night so that they can, particularly once they're a fan, so that they can read more money. And so there's no reason in a day and night to have yeah, seven exactly. and eight uh, so you might as well go to nine. Um, I mean, in these emergency situations where if a team goes down with a COVID outbreak or something and they need to make up 15 games, then I understand seven inning games. It's just going to make it a little easier on everybody. So go ahead. But my opinion is baseball is a nine inning game. You got to play them. Um, and then the one I really don't like, well, the two I really don't like, and we'll get to them is the man on second base <laughs> yeah, starting I mean, the 10th inning. I, I think that is beyond stupid. I, as somebody pointed out when they went to it, if you're so concerned about the games going on, call it a tie. Don't create this artificial non-baseball situation in the 10th inning. You know, let it go 12 innings. And if you're tied after 12, tie game. There we go. You know. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, I don't think we should have tie games. What the heck is this mentality <laughs> that baseball going beyond nine innings is a pain in the butt? It, it really is not, not to the fans, you know? I, I get it. it. It takes a lot of time. The game is way too slow right now. I think that until they stop using a juice ball, the game is going to be that slow because yeah. your pitchers have to throw 100 miles an hour. And I'll say it is really different than having someone like Mark Burley out there, Greg Maddox out there, who do not depend on having to throw the ball 100 miles an hour to be able to get through the game. Throwing it that hard, I don't blame the pitchers for pitching slowly either. That's the thing. It's, it's not the pitcher's fault. They have to do this. Throwing a ball 100 miles an hour takes an incredible toll on the human body. And it is exhausting. You see pitchers breathing in a different way than you saw back in the day. Even when they're taking these long breaks in between, they are gassed sooner. It is harder. And Major League Baseball players, can they can hit a juice ball going 93 down the middle forever. You have to throw the ball that hard. And until that changes... Uh, these games are going to be that long and there you can put a timer on whatever you want. You can put a man on second base. If you want, it's not going to change the lengths of those games. It's not going to change it. Well, so there's certainly the change that I would love to see. And we're in total agreement on it is get back to a real baseball. Ain't going to happen. I don't think it's no, going to happen. I, I think they're so enamored of the dinger uh, and it is ruined baseball. The strikeouts are overwhelming because 
Because Everybody's the, at launch the pitchers throw a hundred miles an hour, and you have to swing with a launch angle. Well, and when you're swinging at a twenty-three degree angle, guess what? You don't have much carry through the zone. Right. <laughs> you know, you, Ted Williams, I believe, said the idea was a five percent angle. You, you don't want it totally flat because the pitch is coming from up high. It's not coming flat. It's coming down. And if what Ted Williams says, I'm going to go with because I never ever been a better hitter than Ted Williams. This is about a five five percent angle up is the ideal swing. He managed to hit homers with that with a real ball too. Um, so yeah, I mean this is the the ball is at the heart of many of the evil things that have happened to baseball. But I don't think they'll correct it because I also, think also what's is crazy is the people who think that home runs are going to go away if they do this. I I mean look at look at your home run records. I, I get it. A lot of them are from the steroid era, but but if you take away the roided guys, you're still talking about many seasons where guys hit over 50 home runs without a juice ball. So this this whole or concept sells, of, yeah. of we need our second baseman to hit 35 home runs, it's so stupid. And it goes against a lot of their their own analysis logic of, you know, guys on base is most important. That's not even how we're playing now. All we're playing is strikeout or solo home run. And it is, it's not as exciting. I love home runs as much as the next guy, but I love home runs with guys on base more. And it, and it doesn't, there, there's really, the home run is a moment, a, a, a second, five seconds for the ball to get out of the park. And what a thrill. Okay. We set off the fireworks if it's at home, but the big thrill is the guys on base they're, they're racing around, the, the ball gets hit in the gap, the throw is coming here, we're going to have this play at the plate or a third. or whatever. That's baseball, and it's a lot more fun to watch for anybody who has any sense of the game whatsoever. If you've and, ever played, you know that the most exciting moment in baseball is a play at the plate. It is the uh-huh. most exciting thing in all of baseball. It's so unpredictable. <laughs> and inside of Park Homer, which sometimes ends with a play at the plate. But, you know, it's one of those things where there there is nothing more exciting than all of the factors of baseball coming together, trying to beat one of the fastest human beings in the country, having a throw rocketed from the outfield. You got to hope that throws online. That throw has to be hard. The catcher has to handle it correctly. If he gets hit, he has to hold on to it. Your runner has to try to get around it or decide he's going to plow. And it, there is nothing more exciting. And that we have almost eliminated that from baseball. We have almost eliminated the play at the plate because we've just gone home run or strikeout. And it's, you know, I still love the game. I still love the home run strikeout version of the game. But it really it's is boring. unfortunate that the ball a, the ball has changed how how it's changed the urgency of of a of a casual ball in play. It really no, has. No, no, I, I think it is. I think it has made the game infinitely duller, which is really unfortunate. Yeah. Moving on here, the playoffs. Now, of course, we had the joke eighteen playoffs, which turned out handy for the Sox, but it's a joke. Um, why play the regular season if you're going to have eight teams in the playoffs, frankly? Uh, but I think they're, I don't think they'll do eight again. I know Stoney is pushing for seven. He really likes seven. I'm guessing they'll go to six. You got a guess? I mean, I actually don't hate 
having an eight team playoff. And I know that that's not going to be popular with you, especially. Um, but I actually think that having an eight team playoff is going to help us a little bit in this guaranteed rebuild world that we live in, you know, getting to the playoffs brings your team a decent amount of income and TV and, and, you know, ideally with fans, I like seeing more teams in the playoffs. I think it's actually more interesting in baseball than it is in basketball, where it feels like every single team makes it except for two. Um, And there's just something exciting about, you know, yes. Does it suck to have a, an 82 team, 82 win team make the playoffs? Sure. But they, but they still have to win the series. They still have to go out there and beat them, beat, beat a much better team. And I think there's something exciting about that. And if, if the argument is, well, the teams that won 98 games deserve it more, well, then beat the 79-win team. Just just beat them. You, you've got 98 wins. You can play in your rotation to be able to dominate the stinky team. I, I don't hate it. And I, I think there's something interesting about having more teams in the playoffs for baseball. I like having that first round uh, be – well, I don't like it being best three. I think that's no good. I would have it be best of five, and I realize that that's going to drag things out a, a little longer. But, you know, NBA playoffs last three years. The NHL playoffs last three years. Football playoffs I don't even care about anymore. Um, but, yeah, I, I – I don't know. I, I like well, the 18. Aside playoffs. from liking it, what's your prediction on what they'll do? I think it's going to be Because they're going to fight. It's, it's going to be a union versus owners fight. Yeah, I, th- I think it'll be six. I think it'll be like the NFL. You'll have a buy, a, a first-round buy team and, and all that stuff. Okay, Sox, any more off-season moves? I'm obviously, well, either they're going to get a backup catcher or, or <laughs> we're going to see – Zach Collins out there for 30 or 40 games a year, which is, you should not do that to fans. You should not do that to teammates. Well, tell that to the the guy who was coming at me on Twitter, who was apparently the only Zach Collins believer in the world. Um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of predictions for what we're going to do to sign people. I mean, we, we missed the boat. We, <laughs> We really biffed it on Snell and Darvish, and I, uh, I don't have any. Springer's hope of, gone. Spring, of it. Springer, well, Springer's, Springer's going to be Mets or Blue Jays, apparently. And Springer is not someone that I, you know, once we signed Eaton, I didn't really care about Springer anyway, because in my head I thought, well, now we can go out and get one of the great pitchers. We're not going to get Bauer. I, I know a lot of people are hoping we will, but. One no, of the unlimited money happen. teams is going to get Bauer. And ultimately, I think we'll be thankful for that because he just brings so much crap and drama into everything because he's an idiot. Um, that's right, Trevor. I said it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't really have any great predictions or hopes for any offseason moves at this point for the White Sox. I think we fell asleep at the wheel. We could have gotten Blake Snell for so much less than what people <laughs> were talking about at one point. That's true. Um, you know, it, it, uh, I don't even want to think of I, – I, my, my heart dropped when I saw those deals and what the Padres gave up. Not to mention the fact that one of our prospects is their future MVP. <laughs> so it's like, oh, 
so the Padres are the team we were supposed to be now. Um, we're going to have an explosive offense, no doubt about that, but I, I'm not expecting any interesting moves. I, if, if it's not Collins, you know, my prediction now for – now there are a lot of second-string catchers still out there that haven't been picked up yet. I think it's Collins, though. I think it's I think it's we slept on it and it's Collins. And if it and if and if Collins goes the first thirty games that he plays over ninety five with sixteen pass balls, um, it's going to be Tyler Flowers that we're going to bring up. Well, you know, I think uh, our our usual guest Eric Lachlan, who's come on a couple times, he uh, he still has a Tyler Flowers White Sox jersey that he bought for $12 after he got traded or after he signed elsewhere. So, uh, you know, that that's the silver lining. Eric will save some money. Sox record. Uh, now, obviously, we're saying 130 games, and the math is too hard. Uh, prorated, if it were a 162-game season, what's yeah. the record? Yeah, I think we should predict as if they're going to play 162, uh, even though I don't think that they will. Uh, I actually think now with, with Lance Lynn there and a new pitching coach, I think we're looking at 89 wins, uh, potentially 90, 91. I'm a couple games below. Yeah, I think 87 or 88. I think that they will win over 60% of their games against the two central divisions. Because the two central divisions are pathetic. Cleveland isn't even going to be any good anymore. It's just going to be Minnesota's going to be the only other team. I think they will be under 500 against the other two American League divisions. I don't think they're quite on par with the teams like the Yankees and Blue Jays and A's and Rays and, and so forth. But that still brings you out to having a re- very nice season, uh, ending up at, I say, 87 games, maybe something like that, 88. See, I, I do disagree a little bit in that they they are going to ideally take a step forward. And I think that step forward does put them above the Blue Jays. It will put them above the A's. Uh, potentially, you know, competitive with the Yankees. I do think the Yankees are still probably going to be pretty legit. The Rays, you know, I think we're on par with the Rays now. Uh, we play a different style of baseball than they do. Uh, and then just the fact that we're going to play both central divisions, we're, you know, they're, the central divisions are so terrible that uh, that's why I think we could get over 90 wins prorated for a, a 162 game season. Yeah, that's, the competition is going to be very bad. Um, individuals. Jose going to do as well again? I think Jose will be great again next year. Uh, I don't anticipate an MVP type of season. Uh, my prediction for the biggest bat is going to be Aloy. Um, you know, as long as the being sad about losing some playing time in the field doesn't do things to him mentally, uh, I think Aloy is going to bust out in a very, very satisfying way. Do you picture Eloy as the regular DH rather than regular left fielder? I think, you know, as the season goes, Eloy under the leadership of Jose Abreu is going to learn that he will be the most valuable to the team as the DH. And I think that's where we're going to see him absolutely tee off. Then, Then we need a left fielder. Who's it going to be? 
I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we avoided arbitration with Adam uh, Engel a couple days ago. And, you know, if you put if you put Luis Robert out there, Adam Engel out there, Adam Eaton out there, um, <laughs> at least on the left and center side of the field, you it's going to be virtually well, impossible to hit a double. <laughs> Eaton, uh, when Eaton was with the Sox, and yes, this was four years ago. Exactly, yeah. Uh, he was a horrible center fielder, and then when he moved to right, he was terrific. Yeah, he's not a bad fielder. He's just not uh, as he, good as the been, other two. He's been going downhill ever since. Apparently, an, an injury problem more yeah is, is leading to it. But you know, injuries, recovery. He, he certainly will be as good as Mazzara was, and much better than the right fielders we had for the three years before that. Because I mean, you could pick a guy out of the stands, and they would have been better yeah. for the three years before that. Um, Anderson, I think Anderson regresses some, not because he regresses as a hitter in general, but just because it's inevitable, but I still think he hits over 300. I'm actually going to say, I think Tim's going to hit around 325. You know, he is, he is locked in. He is, you know, you know that he is working his butt off this off season to get even better. That's just the kind of guy he is. I think he's going to hit for average again. And I think he's going to be one of the premier, if not the premier leadoff hitters in all of baseball. I need him to be still a little more disciplined at the plate. (laughs) If you're going to be a leadoff guy, we need you to be taking walks. Um, But I I don't expect much of a regression from Tim. I think Tim is, is actually going to hit his prime this season. Will he have a higher batting average than Madrigal? I don't know that anyone on the planet's going to have a higher batting average than Madrigal next year. Madrigal, to me, is the only threat in all of baseball to potentially hit over 350, 370, um, just because he, he slaps everything, and which is what I really like about him. You know that sometimes oh, yeah. I... I poo on him as a fielder because he's he's choked a little bit but he's going to get past that as well and I don't know that we've seen a guy as interesting at the plate in terms of the way they approach and hit the ball since Biggio I think I think he's a good comp for Madrigal and I think Madrigal's an even better contact hitter it's amazing Uh, Robert Luis, I think, is going to be uh, – I think he's going to win a gold glove in center field. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, I think he's going to hit around, you know, I, I would predict 280, 290. Um, and I think he's going to tee off. I don't know if he, he'll hit as many as 40 home runs, but he absolutely could. And if he hits 35, 34 of them are going to be the longest home runs of the year. <laughs> I think he's definitely going to be over 30. And I have, I would think slightly lower on average than what you had, because he's not a, a huge average hitter, although he started going opposite field and things when he was needed to come out of that slump. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of calculating so power for a... opposite field's fine. He can put it out of the park by a hundred feet, the opposite way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the big recovery one hopes because it's a health thing is Juan Moncada. Yeah. I mean, Juan Moncada is my favorite player on the team. You know, it was tough to watch him last year and just see how 
how hard it was for him to breathe and how hard it was for him to get his legs back up. You know, there's this myocarditis thing uh, that is a side effect of having COVID in young people. Really hoping that that is not what we're dealing with here because that can be very serious and very uh, career ending in a lot of ways. And uh, I'm just hoping he comes back strong you know it was painful for him to be playing at the level he was playing last year. And the fact that he was that that sort of hurt and unhealthy and still played as hard as he did and, and showed up every day, I think as long as it is not an actual medical issue, he is going to come back very strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting him up probably over 280 in average and, and uh, 30 almost as long as he's healthy. I mean, the thing this year, he hit all those triples. I mean, he had that streak where he was hitting nothing but triples. Yeah. And then you'd see him in the dugout and you'd say, my God, the poor man. Why didn't you just stay at second? I know. <laughs> it, it was the worst time to finally decide you're going to be a triples hitter. <laughs> yeah. uh, who does that bring us? I, I think Eaton hits 240. Uh, a, a nice, nice, solid 240. Um, I don't have any predictions for Eaton. I don't know what's and, going and to And Aloy is not going to be an average hitter, I don't think. Uh, but he's going to hit a lot of long balls and doubles. Yeah. And... I, I don't I, – when I say it, it's going to be Aloy's year to bust out, I don't think it's going to be in terms of average. I think it's going to be home runs, RBIs, and doubles. I mean, yeah. I, I think he could easily be a doubles machine in a league where there really aren't a lot of doubles machines anymore. Yeah, he hits gaps. Uh, he hits, he gaps, hits gaps, and he's too slow to run for a triple, so that usually means a lot of doubles. <laughs> the uh, the pitching, I uh, expect good things out of Giolito. I think probably a little regression on Keiko just because he was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and and he's not getting younger. I mean, he's not old, old but it, it's an age thing. Toward the end of the year, he was hurt a little, presumably recovered from that, but he's probably going to have a period sometime during the year where he's out two, three weeks because he's got an issue, a health issue. Uh, Lynn, I've, I've got uh, Lynn and Giolito each at 14 or 15 wins. Uh, ERA is uh, three and a half-ish. Uh, maybe uh, Kike a little lower on the ERA because of the nature of the way he pitches, but 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 fewer wins because he'll be out a little. Kopech, like 10 wins. And an I mean, ERA wins, wins are, you know, well, almost yeah. irrelevant now. Yeah, it's just a way. Of, it's just a calculating thing. Yeah, you do. Yeah, because only only two thirds of decisions go to starting pitchers now. Yeah, I was, so, was going to say. I think you could see even Giolito be something like twelve and three on the season and have an incredible year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as I add them up with, if I add them all up, and I give a few to guys like Cease and Lopez and other. Uh, we'd have the starting pitching with well, we're 49 and about about 58, 59 wins, which leads you in the direction of an 88, 89 win season uh, once all the relievers get in there. And, get and I mean, our, our theoretically, you know, we should be giving wins to our starting pitchers because we're going to have an explosive top of the lineup. So we should absolutely be piling on runs early in the game. Um, whether or not that happens, we'll see. 
Uh, and we know Dylan Cease is probably your leading Cy Young contender. Uh, <laughs> so I'm expecting 25 wins from him in an era where wins are rare. And uh, if his ERA goes over one, I'm going to be embarrassed. I think we'll be real lucky if his ERA is in single digits. But <laughs> but hey, we do have we do have a, a very interesting pitching lucky. coach. If if anyone's going to turn, if anyone's going to figure out how to take Dylan to the next level, it's going to be and, Cats. and possibly Lopez. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, and, and, yes, he worked with Giolito from the time Giolito was probably thirteen, but uh, so he had a, he had a little time to get that went down, but. Yeah, I mean, I think we should offer Lopez to the Cubs straight up for Kyle Hendricks because that seems to be the kind of thing they're into right now. Lopez is cheap; they like that. Yeah, they love it because they're out of money. They're so poor. Ugh, <laughs> stupid. Well, maybe we could tra- trade him straight up for Bryant, and Bryant becomes our left fielder. That's not a bad idea. That's not a or well, why? Let's just do Lopez for Hayward, Bryant, and Hendricks. I think that is a fair trade. It's exactly what the Rickets are looking for right now. All right. Any, any, I think we've covered everything. I, anybody who, who's out there, uh, I would not put a lot of money on, on any of the predictions that we made, but. Uh, I would put no money on them. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no money would be a good amount. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I like the idea of us being right on all of them. And if we are right on any of them, I can assure you, you will hear me bragging profusely on this podcast in 2021, especially if my boy Dylan wins the Cy Young. Yeah, if that one comes true, I I think the odds are probably pretty good. I mean, you could probably float a buck out there and pick up, I don't know, 15, 20 million. I'm in Las Vegas, right and that's now. why I like him. He's a guy I can get my money from. You know, he's he's a good bet. All right, I think I'm done. You got anything? I'm done. Yep, I think we're you know ending 2020 with style. Um, I'm excited to see what 2021 brings. Is everyone stay safe, stay healthy, so we can all get back in the stadium and actually watch these guys play next year. <laughs> 